but uh, I've discovered Fiji time doesn't work as well in Australia, which is upsetting, but uh, we'll uh, do what we can. So for those of you who don't know or can't remember, um, last Saturday, uh, a team from here, C3 Nord and C3 Adelaide Hills, uh, flew to Fiji to help um, build a house. Uh, it turned out that we were actually helping to extend the house um, because plans change quite quickly in Fiji. Um, and there were eight people from the Adelaide Hills and six people from here, C3 Nord. Um, life hits you very fast when you come back here. Two of those people have had to work today so can't be here with us. Um, but the other four of us are here. Uh, it was uh, stand up, you guys. There was uh, Vicky and, and David and Seb up the back who brought up the, uh, the young end of our, our, our team. And uh, we've got some photos that I believe we can uh, show you of, of some of the things that happened on the, on the build. Sorry. Oh, well, I don't have to move yet, they're not up. And I might get Pastor Vicky to come up and, and talk about them because they were from her camera. So do you want to come and... Not really. I'm not, I won't describe to you every shot. I don't even know what they're putting up. But <clears throat> just to explain that last year we went over and we, bought, we built this particular house that we're working on and that house was built for the assistant pastors, um, Pastor Solo... Pastor Solo, and I can't think of his wife's name right now. Tala, that's right. Pastor Solo and Tala for for them. And it was quite small, um, but that's not unusual in Fiji. So this year we went back and they wanted to extend that house and um, make room so that they were able to um, fit church meetings and so on into that place because on Tuesdays, Fridays and Saturdays they have meetings up at this block and they literally sit out in the dirt outside with a fire going. And if it's bad weather, there is nowhere to go. Can so I just interrupt there? And so this picture here shows the original house. And the first thing we had to do was rip the back wall off so that we could extend it out this way. And you can see in the foreground there, there are the holes that we were digging for the new, for the new post. So let's carry on. <laughs> just, doing, just doing background here. You, talk, you keep talking. So we've extended, we've extended the house quite substantially, as you'll see as the photos go on. You can just click over, Nathan. Um, and, uh, Dug that one all by himself. I'm not sure he's actually working there, but, you know, it, look, it looks like... <laughs> Seb was wonderful. He That's did the front, loads of front work. front of the house. That's where we had lunch every day at the front of the original house. Um, they're the frames. Am I in anybody's way standing right here? You're in all our way. That's really rude, isn't it? It was worse in Fiji because I didn't even have heels on once over there and I was down about here every day. <laughs> oh, that was the back of our van. <laughs> there were a lot of children there so um, there was plenty of time spent playing with the kids and they just loved to get around us. We had all sorts of fun with them. And they put on wonderful lunches for us every day. They were all so excited to have this extension done to their house because they could now meet 
um, inside the house. They had Who's somewhere to go if the weather wasn't good. Move on, move on. Yeah, move, move, move on. We're not going to be able to do them all because there's lots. Has anybody been doing anything yet? They've all been shots of people standing. Or oh, look. Well, David's working. <laughs> He's leaning on his shovel. This was, uh, they, they put on a lovu for us, which is the Fijian equivalent of a uh, Hawaiian luau, um, except it was held in the Salvation Army Hall in the middle of Nandi. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we sat outside and they prepared all this food that was very nice, a lot of it. So there's the back of the house going on. A lot of the Fijian boys came and helped us. There was probably as many of them as there were of us. They loved it. They, they learned skills as well as just having a great time. They can't wait to get hold of the hammers and so on. Always wanting to take them off us and have a go. Oh. <laughs> That's the next door neighbour's house. David on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Seb's like, hurry up and take that shot. (laughs) They got Seb up on the roof to do quite a bit of work because we needed lighter people on the roof. (laughs) Some of the the bigger boys stayed down. And... uh, and they had, Seb, they had Seb up nailing the roof down, so we're very hopeful it stays on, aren't we, Seb? <laughs> Goes up very quick. Three days it took us to do this. Sort of need music now, don't we, really? We were teaching Seb to use the power tools. Hang on, hold it there a sec. See that that tree in the foreground? Did you notice in the beginning it had branches and leaves? (laughs) As, As the building progressed, more and more of them got in the way. And it would have probably been quicker to chop it off at the roots initially, but... Who knows, next year it will probably grow all over the place again. Oh, music, that's great. That's, that's inside. Interior. Putting the interior walls in. That's Solo, whose house we were, we were building with Jess. Having lunch again, or morning tea or afternoon tea or something. Massages were given. Seven is minions. (laughs) 
Whoops, that'll, that'll do. That, that, that was definitely not... See, that, that room there is big enough for them to hold their prayer meetings in uh, because previously, I think as Vicky said, if it rained, they just sat out there in the rain uh, around a fizzling fire. Um, and were there any early ones? You didn't take any at the church? I don't know. Is that it, Mason? Putting in the windows. Inside. That, that's, that's their current, that's their kitchen inside the house, just to show you what it looks like. They don't actually cook in there, they cook outside, um, although there is a gas bottle attached up to that stove if it's wet outside and they can't light a fire, but they mostly cook outside. That black spot there is where they have the fire. You have them a deck on the back. So there it is, pretty complete. Now that's ex- this is this is actually oh, we we won't go into that that now. I think this is another build up at Latoka, where they've built a, a ministry centre that we visited. I think that'll do. That'll do. Good. Thank you. So as you can see, there was a lot of hard work that went on. Nobody got injured, which was really good. Um, <coughs> There were a few close calls. Those holes were 900 millimetres deep and uh, there were a few people who very nearly lost a leg in those. Um, But just just to sort of give you an idea of the differences in in economies and things there, we, we, after discovering um, that they were buying all of that food that they provided for us for lunches, uh, they put on morning tea, lunch, and afternoon tea every day. So that's for three days we're at the build. So that's not nine meals, basically, and they didn't stint. I mean, we had, we had uh, curry crepes, we had coconut cream crepes, we had coconut pie, uh, we had uh, dumplings, uh, there was actual curry and rice. Um, I love their curry. Um, it's lunchtime for me. <laughs> Stop talking about food. Um, and... So we offered to pay for it, and it cost us uh, to pay for that food uh, $350 Fijian. And divide that by, or times that by 0.58, and it's about $180 Australian for nine meals for 15, 16 people. A- and all of them. Yeah, because... The thing is that they get very insulted if you don't go back to thirds. Uh, their, their, their aim was to send us away looking like Fijians. <laughs> uh, we, you'd have heard of barley belly. They wanted us to have a Fiji belly. <laughs> and they, they keep looking at us and saying, oh, you're too skinny. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, and you know, little cultural things like the Fijians wouldn't eat until we were fully fed. No matter how much we said, no, come on, come on, you Let's just stand here and eat. No, they, they waited. And they were actually told to wait until we, we'd finished, which was a little unsettling. Um, but they finished it up quite nicely. There was, never, uh, there was always way too much. Um, and this is this generosity thing. But also little things like uh, we were out on, um, we went for a trip on the last day out to South Sea Island. And uh, someone asked one of the guys 
there who uh, was working on the island how much they get paid. And they get paid $5 an hour. This is five Fijian dollars an hour. And they work three, seven days a week, three weeks on, one week off. And you might think, well, that's not very much. But when you consider the average Fijian wage is $2.30 an hour, they're really well paid. Um, they're, we, we find it very difficult to understand that level of... I mean, that doesn't mean that their food's correspondingly that cheap. The average Fijian family would buy food once a week and they either pre-make the meals to last most of that week on one day uh, if they've got storage capabilities or if they're lucky they can go out and buy more during the week. Very little fresh milk. Most of their milk there is UHT milk brought in from New Zealand uh, although we did see um, some milk there. Uh, Seb delightedly found out that fruit and veg there is really quite cheap um, especially by our standards, he bought, I don't know, 20 bananas, three pineapples and six papaya, something was it, for about 10 bucks? Oh, and four coconuts as well. Now, that, was that $10 Australian or Fijian? That was $10 Fijian. He gets on the bus with this huge bag of fruit. I was thinking, he's either going to get the runs or he's just not going to be able to eat it all. <laughs> uh, you didn't have any problems like that, did you, Seb? <laughs> no. He, he appeared to be healthy most of the time there. Uh, he did sleep sometimes, uh, which I, he attributed to a food coma. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was, it's just interesting, the differences. Um, when we go over to, to build things for them, um, it's very difficult not to just want to give them stuff. Um, but it's also got to be careful what we do because we don't want to go in there um, and think we're superior just because we've got more money, because there's a lot of stuff that they can teach us. As I said, the, the, their cultural warmth and friendliness is something, uh, driving in Adelaide is a lot more ordered, a lot less friendly. Um, the, the horn is very used, very rarely used in Fiji, except to alert somebody that you want to pick them up. That you have traffic snarls everywhere, but nobody toots. Nobody gets annoyed with somebody else. You, know, you want to get into traffic, you just stick your nose out and somebody will stop. And then they'll wave at you, Bula, Bula, as you go past, which isn't an insult, it means hello. <laughs> um, and there's, there's a lot of things w we can learn. And uh, so I, I want to encourage us, you know, we went this year, we, we raised money which was really helpful for the build. Um, I think I said before we went, we raised $2,000 just for building materials and things, which I'm speaking to Julie, was an incredible help. Um, they were stretched fairly tight with the finances they had at their end. Um, so this year, I, I want us to continue. I'd like to take a bigger team next year. Um, I'd like people to think about just going over. It's a, it's a week. It's, it's not particularly expensive to go. Accommodation there is... is it's quite good and, and reasonably priced. And you don't need to be particularly strong. I would recommend being reasonably fit. Um, but the, the things that we can do, that there are other plans we have. Uh, we'd like to set in place a leadership training program for some of the young people. Um, and I'll actually explain why as I talk about honouring your father and your mother in a minute. Um, but you know, I think we need to be making connections. I mean, part of the joy of going this time was 
be able to go up to people and know their name, greet them, give them a hug, and they know you. Um, it's like going to any other church in Australia that you know congregation members in. That you can actually sit there in church and turn to the person next to you and they remember you from last year and you can talk to them about how they were going or what they talked to you about last time. And it becomes part of our community. We become part of their community. And uh, that's really important. So we're going to be rolling out a few things as, as we go on. And what I want to do, before I, before I preach just for a little while on commandment uh, number five, can I get us all to stand, please? Because we've, we've sent practical help uh, to C3 Gateway. But I just want to take this time as we, as we stand here in our service. And Fiji, it's now half past one. So they're probably just finishing up uh, their service. It finished at one o'clock um, last Sunday. Um, but they're probably packing things away. But I really, I really think it would be great to pray for them. Because... They're building a church in Fiji. They're facing problems to trying to help their community. Some of the poorer communities there are really atrocious. And they need our prayers as much as they need our physical help. So whether, whether you know who we're talking about, whether you can visualise some of the people we showed you in those photos, I want us just to pray for those people they're part of the kingdom of God. They're going to be successful. So, Lord, we lift up our Fijian brothers and sisters this morning at C3 Gateway, also C3 Nandi and C3 Latoka, and the other churches there in the Fijian islands. And we just thank you that you are blessing the efforts they are making in their communities. We thank you, Lord, that you are providing everything that they need. We thank you, that, Lord, that you are there in a healing capacity as well that when people lay hands on others, that they are being healed. We thank you that people are being in relationships that are improving, that family relationships, tribal relationships, work relationships are becoming more and more Christ-like all the time, that the diverse and different cultures that sometimes are antagonistic in Fijian society are being smoothed over, that people are coming to realise that the kingdom of God is a kingdom which benefits all people. It's a kingdom which wants the best for every single person. And so I just thank you that as people minister, as pastors Paula and Fani and uh, Pastor uh, Eddie and the other pastors there are, are preaching and ministering in their churches, that your word is preached powerfully, that your presence is felt and that people are changed, not just by believing, but by acting on their beliefs. And I thank you, Lord, that we, we are able to help and we do whatever we can in our power to bless them, to encourage them so that your kingdom will be become the premier, foremost, the first in that land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seated. Now I hear Nathan did an excellent job this morning, uh, yes, uh, last week, whatever it was, was it a Sunday? <laughs> Good. Uh, introducing the uh, fifth commandment, which 
states that we should uh, be nice to our mum and dad. Perhaps not. I think it says we should honour them. Might have to wait a minute because uh, my iPad's just downloading my notes from the cloud. Talk amongst yourselves. Anybody want a, a mint? Vicky's got them out down the front. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Notice that, I don't, and I don't know whether Nathan touched on this last week, but honouring your, your parents, uh, although it's, it's interesting that it's the only commandment with a promise, but a lot of us get the whole the wrong end of the stick when it comes to honouring what it actually means to honour your parents. Because, and I think parents get the wrong end of the stick too, because they'd like the honouring part to include doing what you're told. You know, for a lot of parents, honouring means obey me. And I'm not saying that's not part of it, but the, the commandment itself doesn't address doing everything your mother and father tell you. And it's probably a good job too, otherwise we'd find that Jesus had broken one of the commandments. He actually did something his mother told him not to do. So the obedience thing can be a bit of a, a thorny issue. I think it's time. I need to do something. Perhaps I can get Brendan to make it behave itself. I was about to say it's really great, the internet speeds here are way better than in Fiji. Um, perhaps if uh, go back and press them, synchronise. Isn't technology wonderful? If I'd written them down on a piece of paper, we wouldn't be having all this problem. Synchronising now. Oh, yes. Oh. Done that again. Not good at silence here. Anyway, I'll continue on that vein because one of the things about obedience to parents uh, as part of honouring them, I noticed, and I'm bringing in my recent experience here, is something that we noticed in Fiji. And on the build site, we were visited by pastors and the assistant pastors of, of the church and there were a group of young people, a group of women, um, and none of the women came near the building part of the site because their job was to prepare the food. All the young people came over to the building site and wanted to get involved, all the guys, that is, and there was one girl who got involved. 
uh, but the rest of them stayed away. And so that got us asking questions about what was culturally allowable. And it turns out that culturally, it's fine. The women could have helped us with the build and, and the girls, the younger girls, could have joined in with the, the other girl who, who was helping. But they have, they have roles that are hard to change because of their expectations. Um, and the older people don't come and get involved because they believe that the younger people should be doing it for them. There's this whole thing about, and we got told it. Um, uh, one of the pastors came up to Bruce and said, look, Pastor Bruce, you shouldn't be working here. Leave that. That's the young people's job. <laughs> it wasn't like Pastor Bruce was lathered in sweat and sort of exhausted. He was just hammering in a few nails. But it's like, why don't you let the young people do that? Uh, and Bruce didn't say what he was thinking. Um, <laughs> but th- there's this divide because the, the elders in Fiji believe that they have the right not to do anything and leave it to the young people. But there is no, there's no mentoring. Th- there's a gap because it's a question of they step back and let the young people do it. They'll tell them off if they're doing it wrong. Um, but they, they're not actually involved in the process because they expect an, an obedience and this happens in families as well. And while obedience is, is a good thing, if it gets to the stage where there's a disconnect, then w- what the tr- problem that they're facing in Fiji is that when their pastors retire, they haven't trained up a, the next generation because there's this, this whole respect and obedience thing going on they haven't poured their experience into the younger generation because they've disconnected and said, well, okay, we're, we're, we need respect. You do what we say and do the things that we, we don't want to do because you're young and you have to because we, we can tell you what to do. And that's very damaging, which is why uh, Bruce and I have been talking about possibly doing a leadership course for some of the young people here and actually bringing them over here for a week each, possibly next year, to actually... Uh, get involved in our church services and find out what it's like in other places around the world. So one of the things we might do is actually get involved in sponsoring uh, some of those young people to come over here and see how we do things and and to actually train them to honour their parents but also take some responsibility and to try and break that whole, I'm, I'm older so I don't have to listen to you or do what you want to do or even take your opinion into consideration. Uh, in Australia, we've probably gone a bit too far the other way in that kids often don't show any respect or obey their parents whatsoever, um, but it's good to have a balance. So, but, there, but there are things that we can learn from the whole basis of what Jesus taught. that He, he wasn't interested in, in changing cultural um, mores about parenthood and if all we have to do is speak to is Chris here? Chris Young, yes there he is um, sort of in, in, in his culture the, 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 his parents, his parents in law and his extended family which is probably slightly different to the situation in, in Australia is actually doing things in terms of looking after his wife and his, his newborn child that wouldn't happen here in Australia. 
and he, he's out here on his own being supported by them um, and his wife and child are back in China. Now, in Australia, that would probably be considered a pretty unusual thing to do. Uh, and often we wouldn't have the family resources to be able to, to actually support that, that, that sort of living. But in China, their, 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 their family situation allows that sort of thing to happen because there's a bit more support back there. Now, while that's great, and Chris would agree that that's enabled him to do things that he wouldn't normally be able to do, he would probably be the first to say that it isn't perfect either. There are some things about their, their, their family rules and regulations which are quite in, inhibiting and that he would perhaps struggle to break out of. But often we find in different cultures the good outweighs the bad and we actually have to take on board the good uh, to do this. I'm still not getting any notes here. I might have to make this up as I go along. I've, t I've turned the network off. I'm just going on 3G here. I'll finish up in prayer in a minute. There are three main things that I, I want to talk about families. The first, the first is that God approves of family. The Bible is full of situations that actually require good family integration for things to happen. The thing I really love about the Bible is you notice that it doesn't gloss over the fact that not all families actually worked out that well. I mean, you look at Isaac and Jacob and Solomon and even David. They were not people that you would hold up as perfect examples of fatherhood. Um, there were situations where they let down their children. Even, even the story of Joseph and, and his, and his multicoloured dream coat. Uh, if you look at the beginning of that chapter, it's interesting that it says this is the story of Jacob, which, who is hardly mentioned in the story because it's the story of Joseph. But if you look at it, it's the story of how Joseph, Jacob stuffed up his fathering um, capabilities and produced children who were actually dysfunctional. I mean, we look at Joseph and he, he's quite a hero because he ended up being the Prime Minister of Egypt. But if you look at his early days, um, he was the most loved of Jacob's sons. Now, the most you know, spoiled, that's fine. Who, who's been in a big family where one kid sometimes gets a bit more spoiled than the others? I have, that was me. <laughs> um, I always thought it was my sister, but looking back, I could be wrong. Um, but the worst thing parents can do is, is, is actually assign, uh, be favourite, assign favourites. And tell, tell people, that, you know, no, I love your brother more than you or I love your sister more than you. And that's what Jacob did to Joseph. He said, this is my favourite one because he was born to me in my old age and he was born from my favourite wife. So A, he's put all his brothers offside and B, all his other wives. So he's making life miserable for himself. And it, and it looks, if we look at it, that Joseph was a bit of a brat. He was forever telling on his brothers. And then it, when he got dreams that were from God about his future... He went around and told them, hey guys, had this dream, I'm going to be king, you're going to be nothing, you're going to bow down to me. Hey, isn't that great, don't you love it? Of course, they weren't as enthusiastic as he was about all this. You know, what, we're going to bow down to you? So they got so cheesed off, and he must have been a, a really annoying little person. Um, 
And so they chucked him down a well. They were going to kill him, but his eldest brother obviously liked him a little bit. He said, no, no, just chuck him down a well and uh, we'll give him a scare. And so they, they left him there, but when they came back, of course, he'd been sold into slavery. And so there's a whole line of, of thinking in the Bible that families are important. Families are powerful. But if families go astray, the power that is built up in those families can go horribly, horribly wrong. And so God cares about family. He's put things in place to help us manage the power in our families. But if they go wrong, they can go terribly wrong. But guess whose fault that is? Not God's. There are other people involved, so that must be their fault. And I won't say who, who they are. Obviously, parents. Here we go. Commandment five. Oh. Here we go. We're, oh, I'm only up to point one. Oh, plenty of time. Uh, the other interesting thing that we, we find in the Bible is that the family is always under threat. Now, who would say that today the family is under threat? Because, you see, it's, it's an ideal that God gives us. Um, but we know that making a good family isn't easy. I've just talked about one, one of the stuff-ups that we read about in the Bible. Um, but the other thing, notice, is that families are always in motion. When we look at our family situations today, comparing to the family situations of the Hebrews a couple of thousand years ago, in some ways they're quite different. And the, the things that bind our families today are different. The things that are important are different. Inheritance doesn't matter so much. Um, you know, being the eldest son or, uh, or being a son versus a daughter in a lot of our societies doesn't matter anymore. There are some where it's still quite important. We talked about that in some of the earlier uh, commandments where we see uh, you know, abortions that are actually gendercide because people want sons instead of daughters. Um, but it's always on the move. And we've got, when we look at the Bible about families and the, and the rules and the principles that God has put down, we have to learn to apply them to our situation. Because I don't believe just because we, we look at that and, and see the sort of family life the Hebrews had, that God wants us to actually take that on board. Go back to living in tents and, and having an extended family around us and, and that style, style of life. But he wants to take on the principles that he's put in his word to work in our situation and, and it requires us to actually work that out. Have you, have you noticed that God actually requires us to be somewhat intelligent? That he didn't say, you know, we've got to daily renew our heart or our fitness, although that's a good idea, both of those. He said that, that we will increase by the renewing of our mind, which basically means we have to have new thoughts every day. We have to look at new situations we have to reject sometimes the old way of doing things and say, well, let's, let's think about that differently. And it's the same with families. Uh, I heard this, mo this morning uh, on the news that they're, they're changing uh, the penalty for leaving your kids at home alone. There's going to be a maximum fine of $3,200 if you leave somebody under 16 home alone. Something like that. I didn't listen to it very closely, but... There's, 
there's all, all, the, all these laws that are now being put in place to, to protect our children. You sort of think, well, that's ridiculous. How dare they legislate? To, okay, and one of the people there talked about how that she was actually appeared in the local newspaper because she happened to go out and put the bins out and left her, uh, her child inside, locked herself out. <laughs> Had to call the fire brigade to come in and, and uh, rescue her child because he was on the fourth floor of an apartment block. He was locked in the apartment, couldn't get out, but she couldn't get in to help him. And uh, she was uh, pilloried in the, pr- in the press and talked about what a bad mother she was and all that sort of thing. And you sort of think, could happen to anyone. But the problem with that sort of thinking is, of course, that it wouldn't be necessary if there weren't more and more calls to ambulances and, and fire brigades to rescue children. It's all become... It's, it's, this is all stirred up because they, people see a need because of the rise in people having trouble because they've abandoned their children. And so it's not a question of the legislation is silly. It's a question of the fact that we've, we've taken to doing dangerous things in our family possibly because our family structures have changed. You don't have grandma to leave your child with while you go and do the shopping because you're either a single mother or father living alone and you don't have that opportunity or both of you are working or... So our life situation's changed. But we still have to take on board the fact that God has designed families as a, a strong unit for society to actually operate from. The other problem that people have is the idea of Father God. We, we, some of us haven't had fathers that we'd like to compare to God. And when we talk about fatherly things and how God is all-powerful and he's a father... Often we have this nightmare that somehow God is just a bigger version of the dad we had. And for some people that can be an extremely frightening thought. And we need to, we need to be careful we don't apply reverse logic. My father, um, when he was at uni, and this was I, was I was fairly young, did a course in logic. And he came home and I, tried to explain it to me, which confused me greatly. But the, the bit I do remember out of it, he said, that if, you, if I showed you a picture of a dog... Logic determines that I am showing you an animal which has a head, four legs, a body, and a tail. And so if I just said that I'm going to show you a picture of a dog, in your mind you're thinking of a four-legged animal with a head, ears, possibly perked up, possibly floppy, um, a tail, it could be bushy, long, thin. But that's the picture you've all got in your mind. But if I said... I want you to think of an animal with four legs, a tail, a head and a body. It isn't actually logical for you to say, ah, he's talking about a dog. Because I could be talking about a horse or a cat, heaven forbid. Or any other four-legged, headed, tailed animal. And often when it comes to fathers and parents, we've got to make sure that we actually not reverse applying reverse logic to God and saying, well, I, I know what a father is like on earth. Therefore, that must be like what God is like in heaven. Just because he has the name Father. And, he, he, and even Jesus, because who knows, we called to be agents of change. Jesus was a subversive. He, he was a really sneaky guy. Because you know, even, even in the Old Testament, this commandment says, honour your father and your mother doesn't say honour your father and perhaps be nice to your mother. It says honour your father and honour your mother. Now, 
I don't believe that many people in the Old Testament did that very well. But the great thing is God meets us where we're at. And when Jesus came, he was, he was even worse. He, was more, he, he treated women as equals. Now we might think, well, so he should. But back in those days, that was almost criminal. You could get stoned for treating women as equals. You could get barred from all the, all the bars in town, all, all the legal sort of companies and things like that. If you, if you even mentioned the fact that you thought women were equal to men, it was like, you know, stone him, hang him, run him out of town. But Jesus managed to do this without, well, in the end they did. But, um, but he provided an example for us because he was meeting people where they were at. And it's taken 2,000 years just to get to this stage where people are willing to admit that there needs to be more equality between the sexes. Now, don't get me started on the fact women are not the same as men. In, 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 in Denmark, they're actually undergoing a situation where they're abolishing all gender language. There are no men, no women, they're just people. They're actually abolishing that. You can't refer to somebody as a man or a woman, they're just a person. Now that sort of gets ridiculous because, thank goodness, there are differences between men and women. And it's really a question of... <laughs> it's really a question of, of not sameness. Sameness isn't, sameness isn't equality. We're not cookie-cutter people. That's bad enough that you know, there's books written on that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. That sort of cuts the divide in half. But then to say that, no, there's no difference between men and women, women and we're all the same is even worse. But there is a way, and sometimes it's not easy, but there is a, a way to show even-handedness with people who are different. And that's what our task is. It's not to say that all people are the same. That's, that's too easy. That's the middle of the road. That's the, that's the political way of doing things. That doesn't offend anybody but doesn't do anybody any good whatsoever. We need to recognise that we're different. Anyway, this has nothing to do with parents. Why have you got me off on this? Uh, I'm going to give you some homework. Go and read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, to chapter 6, verse 4. And Paul talks about the duties and responsibilities of wives, husbands, children and parents. And if we read them... Some of it looks a bit sexist. Some of it looks a bit hard. But this is where we need to realise that a lot of what Paul wrote was culturally relevant in his time. But he was clever enough to preface all of that. I think we actually have this if you wanted to show it. Ephesians 5.18. Before he gives any rules and regulations about how to parent what men should wear, what women should wear, who should, who should respect whom, who should love whom, who should honour whom. He prefaces it in Ephesians 5.18 by saying, do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine, for those of you who like to do that, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says that immediately before he starts giving rules and regulations and principles about parenthood, mothers and fathers, wives and husbands. And we need to remember that. The rules, the regulations of the kingdom of God are nothing unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we attempt to fulfill those rules.
Let's stand. Now, I'd like to do something really clever and powerful right now. But I feel sort of drunk from uh, and tired, I think, from all, the, all this travel. And I'm amazed at how tongue-tied it's made me. So I'm going I'm to keep it simple. Perhaps another time we can talk about the complexities of family life. And I really want to pray at some point during this, this part of the series for a change in people's family situation because one of the things I think even more than finances even more than our our job situations or or what we do at school or anything that we do outside of our home I believe is secondary when it comes to the influence that our parents, our grandparents our brothers and sisters, cousins our, our family members have on our life especially from a very early age. And I know that some people are incredibly blessed by that, but some people have been incredibly damaged and hurt. And I believe that it's God's will, not that we can reverse those hurts, but the fact is that through the power of His Holy Spirit, we can actually become stronger. We can actually cast off the influence of those things and still become the people that God has destined us to be, sometimes because of and sometimes despite our family situations so I might pray for that next week but this morning I, I just I just want us all to bow our heads close our eyes and I want to offer an opportunity that if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship where you see God as your Lord or your Saviour or your Father even and you would like to take advantage of of his offer to actually come into your life and change it for the better to be the father you might not have had or to have been the father that you should have had but also to be the the source of blessing in your life to just be the source of a great life then I want to give you an opportunity to accept his offer all that he requires is for us to say Lord I want you in my life I want to turn my life around I want you to be in charge and if we pray that he allows us to start a journey of relationship with him and we work out our salvation and our Christianity and our faith from that one step of accepting him as our Lord and our God and our Father. And while nobody's looking around, every head is bowed. If you haven't ever said to God, look, I want to be one of your children, I want to be a Christian, then while nobody's looking around, I I want you to raise your hand so that I can see it and I'll acknowledge that. And we're going to pray a prayer that will bring you into the family of God. Is there anyone at all? I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else want to make that decision to invite Jesus Christ into their heart? 
to start a journey with Him. Now you may have done that before. You may have been to a church. You may be involved in church. But you may have realized you've come to a place where you're not living by that promise. That God actually isn't the Lord of your life. The great thing about a relationship with God is He never says no when we want to come back. So even if you've done it before, that you've accepted God, but you will acknowledge that you've fallen away, you've abandoned that relationship, He will always accept you back. If that's you this morning, I invite you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge that. We can pray that same prayer because God will accept you back into His kingdom, into His family, anyone at all. Okay, can I get you to open your eyes? Let's pray together. I think it's good even if even if you're fully connected with Jesus, that your relationship with Him is firing on all cylinders. You are feeling really good. I think it's good to remind ourselves that it's just a decision. Often we make decisions during our day that aren't the right ones. And it's great to reinforce the best decision we ever made. So can you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I change my life from today to follow you. I abandon all other beliefs. I leave my old life behind and take up my new life with you. I proclaim you my Lord. I proclaim you my Saviour. I reject all others and proclaim that I love you. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.